Hi, welcome to our service this morning. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, we pray that you would guide us, that you would speak to us, that you would inspire us, that you would let us know something more of who you are. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. This morning we're starting a new sermon series about the gift of who God is. The idea behind it is over the next few weeks we will be exploring characteristics of who God is because our understanding of who God is shapes all of who we become. It's probably one of the most important aspects of our belief is our belief in who God is. And so today we're unpacking the idea that God is faithful. God is faithful. I'd like to read from Deuteronomy chapter 7, from verse 7 through to verse 9. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other people's, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath he swore to your forefathers that he brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. Thanks be to God for his word. A couple of months ago, I told a story in our evening service, and so if you've heard the story, I'm sorry. If you haven't, then good. But I told the story of what happened to me a while ago. I was having a conversation with some children about faith. And we were having this debate and this uh, discussion about faith and believing in God and believing in different gods and all the different faiths, and we were having this very uh, fantastic open conversation. Uh, one child was saying that she's not too sure why we believe in God, and they were having this open discussion. And one of the little boys, who was about 10, maybe 11, I said this, and when I heard it, I thought to myself, out of the mouth of babes, this is what he said. He said, everybody has to believe in something. Everybody has to believe in God, in a God. And I said to him, why? You know, why do you feel that everybody has to believe? And he responded and said, well, if people don't believe in God, who will they blame when things go wrong in life? <laughs> who will they blame when things go wrong in life? I laughed so much because I thought to myself, this young child has seen so much of people, particularly adults, who as soon as something goes wrong in life, we think, oh my Lord, where are you? How did this happen? And sometimes we're tempted to blame God for what has happened. 
And I suppose it's easy for us to fall into that trap because life is not always easy. Life throws us curveballs and painful moments, and there are moments where our relationships fall apart or people we love suffer, uh, people we cherish get sick. There are moments where financially we hit crisis. There are moments where war breaks out. We know all of these things. We know them all too well in South Africa right now. We know that life can be really, really difficult. And for some of us, it's been far worse than for others. Every one of us, as Trevor says, uh, sits with a bucket of tears. Every person. And it's sometimes easy to, to start thinking or start wanting to blame God because aren't we always taught that God is faithful and God is just and he is holy and merciful and mighty to love and sovereign. And so all these words about who God is make us think that if that is who God is and I am loved by God, then surely my life should be good and easy and pleasant and fantastic. And so when it isn't, we often think, does that mean that this is God's fault? Does it mean that I am unloved? Perhaps our understanding of these characteristics of who God is needs to be unpacked a little bit so that we can understand something about how do we have this incredible, faithful, holy, just, sovereign God and still have hardships in life. And I don't think that I you know all the answers. I don't know many of them. But I would just like today to unpack something of this idea that God is faithful. And what does that mean for us? And what does it mean when we use the words God is faithful? And I think the first thing that comes to mind is this idea that God's faithfulness is God saying to us that I will be your God and you will be my people. A faithful God, in our understanding, would be that God is present, that God is there, that God is with us, that God is part of this and part of our lives. And when I look at scripture, and when we unpack scripture, there's quite an incredible journey that humanity goes on from the beginning of scripture right through to the end. There's this incredible collective understanding of who God is and who we are as God's people. And so bear with me as I unpack some of that. You see, right at the beginning of Genesis, we have the story of Adam and Eve, and I'm not going to tell you the whole Bible, we'd be here forever. Uh, but there's the story of Adam and Eve. 
And there was this concept that's written in that story that in order to be with God, remember they walked in the garden with God, God was present, God was there, God was with them. And there was this almost idea that as long as you remain good and don't eat the forbidden fruit, as long as things are well and you're in this garden of Eden, God will be with you. And so it almost explains to us or unpacks to us or reveals to us that humanity's original thought uh, right at the beginning of Genesis, this idea that we had was that for God to be with me, I must be good. Uh, For God to be with us, it is dependent on our deeds. And when I think of my own personal journey with God, and I'm sure the same would be for you, there was a stage in my journey where I believed that as long as I am good, God will be faithful and life will be fantastic. But then a shift happens. Adam and Eve sin, and they are unfaithful. And they're cast out of this presence of God. And suddenly there's this idea of, okay, but if, if I have sinned, if we fall, does that mean that we leave the presence of God behind us? And God shows that that wasn't true because God clothed them, God was with them, God was with their children, even though their children were dysfunctional, Cain and Abel, who was the children of Adam and Eve, uh, Cain killed Abel. They say that was the first sign of alcohol abuse. (laughs) But so we see that in those stories, even though they're covered in this uh, moments of sin and disobedience from humanity's side, suddenly we see that even there, God is present. And so God's presence is not dependent on the people being perfect and good. And in our own journeys, there comes a stage where we ourselves have been trying to be perfect and fantastic, and we fall and we sin, and we deliberately sometimes do things that we know we shouldn't. We eat the forbidden fruit, and we step out of that feeling, and we wonder, does that mean I've left God's presence behind? And so thinking that God's presence is dependent on our perfection will always fail. Because let's face it, as it says in Romans, every one of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then scripture moves into a new idea with Abraham. 
You know, we skip a few generations, we get to Abraham, and suddenly people start thinking, okay, uh, God will be with me because I'm part of a covenant. So God makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. He makes this covenant uh, with all of them, uh, with Abraham and Abraham's descendants. And so this new movement in the relationship between humanity and God starts where there's this idea that because I am chosen by God based on who I am, God will be with me. God will be with me. Uh, but that fails. <laughs> uh, the people of Abraham, there's dysfunction. Uh, Abraham has one child and then another, and those two, uh, Ishmael and Isaac, uh, have been at war ever since. Um, their descendants are still, in a sense, at war. And so the question moves of this idea that God's presence is with us simply because of who we are, the children of Abraham, uh, isn't true. Even Jesus addresses that, and that's why he says that you know, God could make children of Abraham out of these rocks. He could turn stones into children of Abraham. And he says, don't think that just because you're a child of Abraham means you're in the presence of God. And likewise, don't think that because you're not a child of Abraham biologically, that means that you're not in the presence of God. And so this idea of who I am determines that God is with me, that in itself fall short. That fell short. And suddenly the Israelites realized, the Jews realized, the um, people realized that God's presence is not dependent on this covenant made between God and Abraham because people break the covenant all the time. Fast forward a couple of years generations and we have Moses and, and suddenly the idea is if God's presence with us is not determined by uh, what we do in Adam and Eve and it's not determined by who we are in Abraham and his descendants then it must be determined by our laws and if we break the law, there has to be a consequence which needs to be sacrifice. And so if I make the right sacrifices and obey the right laws, then God's presence will be with me. And so it was God's presence is determined by my worship, by my rituals. But that falls short too. Uh, the temple is destroyed. People cannot offer sacrifices. That leads to a whole other faith crisis. Uh, people are moved out of Jerusalem. There's the, the whole diaspora where they are sent to different places. It, it falls apart. And it shows that God is still with them. So after Adam and Eve sin, God is still there. After Abraham and his descendants, after they break covenant, God is still there. After the Israelites break the laws and cannot sacrifice, God is still there. 
And so we see it wasn't dependent on what they did. It wasn't dependent on who they were. It wasn't even dependent on how they worshipped. God's presence was still there. And we fast forward to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to show us that God's presence is with us. And here's what's incredible is that Deuteronomy passage says it so beautifully. It says, God didn't choose you because you were the biggest people or the most powerful. God chose you because you are loved. And Jesus comes into this world to show us who God is. And suddenly we see Jesus draws alongside the people in life who are really having a tough time. Jesus goes uh, not to the ones who had their lives in order. He doesn't go to the ones who knew that they were Abraham's children. He doesn't go to the ones who were following every law and obeying every sacrifice. Jesus goes to the very people who the rest of society were saying to them, God has abandoned you. That's who Jesus goes to. He goes to the poor who were told their whole lives, you are cursed because you haven't been blessed with wealth. He goes to the broken who've been outcast because of their illness and have been told that they're untouchable and they've been cursed and God has left them and that's where Jesus goes and he touches the untouchable. He goes to the woman and the children and the sinful and the tax collector and the broken and the poor. Jesus goes to the people that think that God's presence has left them. And he goes to show that God is with them. Emmanuel, God with us. And so we see a glimpse of who God is, as in God is faithful. It's throughout Scripture we see God is faithful. In other words, God is with us. God is our God and we are God's people, not based on what we do or who we are, not based on how we worship. We are God's people and God is our God based on who God is. God is faithful. He promises us not that life will be easy, not that we won't face death. He promises us not that things will be fantastic from here on ever after. He promises us this. He says, I will be with you. Yeah, if life with God meant that we would never suffer or die, we would have a lot of very, very, very ancient people running the comrades. Two thousand year olds. We would have no pain or suffering or hardship. 
But that's not what God promised. God never said, I will take away death. He never said, I will relieve all pain and all suffering. He doesn't say that once you are my child, your life will be perfect. The Israelites were his children. The Jews were his children, and they faced persecution and war and famine and hardship. But what God promised is he says, when you are there, I will be with you. God is with us in our journeys. Not because of what we've done or who we are or how we worship. God is with us as we see through Jesus Christ because of who God is. God is faithful. God is faithful. And when we learn that, when we realize that God is with us in every situation, and when we hit rock bottom and we face hardships and troubles and trials, we will know God with us in a way that we've never known before. I remember a couple of years ago hearing our previous bishop preach just before he died of cancer, and one of the things he said, which blew my mind, was he said, I thank God for cancer. And we were all shocked, and he said, I thank God for cancer because I've gotten to know God with me in a way that I didn't know when I was healthy. Just this week, I was speaking to one of our ladies who has been going through cancer treatments and has been going through a very long journey of suffering and hardship. And she turned around and said to me that without that journey, she would never have known the side of God where God is with her in her pain. And that's God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness is he says to us, his people, I will be your God and you will be my people, not based on who you are or, or what you do or how you worship, but based on who I am, I will Emmanuel, I will be with you. Now, <laughs> Sometimes people want to be with us. And we choose to not let them. Many people chose to send Jesus out of their towns and not welcome him into their homes, chase him out of the church. And the people who suffered for that was them. May we, and may you and I, I don't know what you are going through, but in those moments where life is really difficult, may we ask the faithful God to be with us. And here's the good news. Even if life is really difficult because you ate from forbidden fruit and sinned, God is with us. Uh, even if life is really difficult because you've turned your back on God and broken covenants, God will still be with you. 
open our eyes, and invite him in. Even if we've gone down the wrong path and have worshipped in crazy ways and turned our backs on God and looked to ourselves for salvation, God will be with you if you ask. If we open our eyes and acknowledge and accept. Or even if life has been difficult because of the circumstances we found ourselves in. God with us. God will be with us. And we'll experience that side of God in ways that we've never done before. And so I invite you this week is pray the prayer with me every day. Just, Lord, open my eyes to see you with me. Just open my eyes to see you with me. Thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and that you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that you are a faithful God and journey with us in life, no matter what life throws at us. May we have eyes to see your presence. Amen.